Welcome to the Building BN Podcast, where we take an inside look at Bloomington Normal economic development with industry pros, local businesses, and community partners. Hosted by your BNEDC. Get things started. Uh, we always like to find out, you know, about our guests and their backgrounds. And I'm pretty sure you went to school here, so yeah. you might be a townie. But like, yeah, how did you end up in Bloomington Normal? Okay, how did I end up in Bloomington Normal? Um, I am like a fifth generation townie. Like nice. Great, great grandparents. Great, great, great grandparents, actually. Um, my great, great grandfather's name is on the bell in downtown Bloomington in the courthouse. Oh, and okay. Uh, great grandparents out in Ellsworth, Illinois, but large family. We've, you know, most of us have been around McLean County for uh, forever. So how did I get here? I was born here. Born here. here. <laughs> OSF St. Joe. Nice. And then high school was Bloomington? Yeah, I went, uh, went to Bloomington Junior High, went to BHS, graduated in 99. Um, I actually started Cybernautic as a junior at BHS okay. uh, in 1998. Uh you know, pretty classic, uh, you know, web.com type of story. Sure. Like really it was born at a card table in my parents' basement. Nice. <laughs> in nice. 1998. So, so I got to ask, did you play any sports during that era? Cause we're pretty close to the same age. Yeah, I was, uh, I played baseball freshman and sophomore year at, okay. at, at BHS. Um, by the time cybernautic was going, I kind of gave up on that, started <laughs> the computer club, you know, co-started the computer club nice. at BHS. Got into that, got into cybernautic, building websites, and it was like, man, I was like a second string catcher, so okay. I wasn't going to get any playing time anyway, and I was way better being a geek behind a computer than, you know, calling fastballs and curveballs. S- similar BHS story there. Team. So I, I played baseball <laughs> at MacArthur. Um, I graduated 97, though, so that overlap wasn't there, but I stopped around sophomore year. Um, really because I got too focused on football and wrestling. And then after the weights hit, I couldn't hit a ball anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm, yeah, I played football over there, uh, baseball freshman year, but after that, not so much. But similar geek, uh, similar background as far as like web design goes. I kind of grew up on a computer. Yeah. So looking forward to this uh, conversation. So besides being, um, I was actually a backup catcher too. So besides oh, that right as a on. personal fact, um, what's a fun, <laughs> unique fact, uh, fact about yourself? Okay, so you prepped me with this a little bit. I, I actually brought a couple of different things here. Okay. You, you choose which one you think is going to be best. <laughs> so, all right, the, there are a few of these that are a little crazy. Uh, we used, or I used... Um, the proceeds from building a Beanie Baby empire in the mid to late 90s as the seed capital <laughs> for Cybernautic. I don't Very know how you're going to beat that. Rarely yeah. known fact. Like, okay. if, if, you, if you go to the Wayback Machine on the internet, MrBean-E.com, it started out small, and it grew absolutely out of control for two years straight. I was, you know, driving up to the Quad Cities, Terre Haute, Indiana, Chicago. All, okay. I was driving all over the state as a 16-year-old kid. Uh, my, you know, friends were out having a good time on a mm-hmm. Friday night at the, at the BHS football game or whatever. And, and most of them don't know that. I hope none of them are listening to this right now. <laughs> Literally nobody knows this. That's and they'd be awesome. like, Hey, you want to hang out on Friday? And I was like, no, nah, I'm busy. And yep. I was hawking beanie babies, hawking beanie babies. So all over the state. So they're sneaker heads. Like what is the equivalent of a beanie baby? <laughs> yeah, you were, that's awesome. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Uh, toured with a local indie rock band, uh, in the early two thousands. Okay. One of, one of, one of the guys in that band, our, you know, lead guitarist is our lead developer at cybernautic now, which is pretty cool. Okay. And one of my favorite stories to tell is that I'm a, a crocodile farmer in Kenya. So. Uh, in 2013, I co-founded the Midwest Food Bank's East African Division with, uh, with a few guys from the food bank here in town. We went over and started that in Kenya, and one of the crazy projects that we got ourselves into was working with a crocodile farm uh, in the Galana region of Kenya. They gave the Midwest Food Bank, they gave our crew uh, like five acres of land, and we 
architected and developed a meat processing plant, worked with the Kenyan government to figure out all the rules and regulations. Wow. And for a while, they were taking the belly skins off and sending them to Italy to tanneries for fancy bags and shoes and stuff like that. And then they were sending the, the rest of the carcass through a meat processing plant that we were using and then distributing that food to kids in need living in the slums of Nairobi. So crocodile farmer in Kenya, seeding cybernautic with Beanie Baby money. <laughs> uh, there's a few weird weird facts, I guess. I was going to say, like, I can't <laughs> wait. entertaining. To, when, we, when we do the show notes, we always like to put links to, like, what we talk about. This is going to be a wide <laughs> all variety over place, all over right? the place. It's crazy. Uh, so I, I got to ask, though, like, the band that you were in. Um, so like Eric Barnland, like Max Leiter yeah. was the name of his band. Yes. Was cybernautic the name of your band? No, 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 no. <laughs> so we were winter in Alaska. We were the indie band. We were, the, we were like, the underground band that okay. you'd have to really, like, go. You'd have to dig hard to find. Max Leiter was, you know, hardcore rock and stuff like mm. that. But, um, yes, me and some of my best friends, you know, jumped in a van and toured around the Midwest, recorded a couple albums. It's one of those stories that, like, I, I, I'm going to look back on when I'm a grandpa and have the grandkids on my knee and be like, oh. Yeah, back in my back day. when I was a, an indie rocker. Yeah, I was you like, know? sure, grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> well, or they'll fun. be like, you were the coolest, grandpa. <laughs> What's funny is, you know, a lot, I'd have to go back and listen. We've done, like, 60 or so episodes of this. A lot of the fun facts where people are in bands. Yeah. Like, we can probably put together a stellar band by from the guests <laughs> from this podcast. That's funny. Um, so, yeah, that's cool. So. Chad Barker's got a lot of titles. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but right now, yeah, though, you are CEO of yeah. uh, Cybernautic. That's right. Um, so, like an econ dev, I do a little bit of something different every day. Like, what does a typical day, if there is one, look like as CEO of Cybernautic? Oh, my goodness. Uh, typical day at Cybernautic. I mean, it's going to probably sound a little less sexy than it looks. I mean, we come in, we. You know, I'll meet, I've got meetings with different staff members all the time. We do leadership team meetings, all staff meetings and things like that on Wednesdays. Uh, I've got regular one-on-one -on -one time with some of our directors and key staff members throughout the week, you know, whether it's weekly or monthlies with them. Um, sometimes it's jumping in on a – they kind of reserve the crazy projects. They'll, they'll knock on my door sometimes and be like, hey, we got a weird one here. <laughs> um, and I love jumping in on stuff like that. I've Believe it or not, at this point, I don't get to do a lot of the – uh, design or development. They they kicked me out of Photoshop. They kicked okay. me out of code. They kicked me out of sales. But I still get to play a little role in each one of those things. So I love being able to come in and work with all of the staff members at Cybernautic, um, providing the assist when it comes to sales and just kind of helping guide that, making sure that we're making the right promises, mm -hmm. that we're you know putting together the right plans for our customers to deliver on what they need. Um, working with designers to make sure that we're, you know, designing the best stuff we possibly can and then working with our, we have phenomenal developers, working with our developers to make sure that we're building future-proofed code that's going to be secure, excuse me, secure and um, uh, going to stand up, you know, for another 15 or 20 years because after it's built, we have to support that stuff. Sure, so, yeah. Uh, we get to do a lot of different things. I really enjoy uh, really every aspect of, of what we get to do at Cybernautics. So. So going back to that story where it was uh, built, what'd you say, on a card table, yeah. <laughs> basically yes. back in high school, uh, literally, um, to where it is now. Uh, I have a little bit of background in this because I did work at an ad agency, uh, did some graphic design, web design, mm -hmm. and it's definitely evolved over time. Oh, and yeah. so you've got a very successful company now. If you could just talk about, I guess, the different phases um, from back in the 90s to now. Yeah, totally. So, you know, 90... 98 to the early 2000s uh, I mean it was it, it was was it a company or was it just a couple of kids you know making a little bit of money building websites I mean 98 99 most people didn't even understand why they needed a website right. like we had so many people that were just like I don't understand 
why wouldn't I just get a yellow pages? Yeah. So we were like convincing people why they needed to do this. And of course, then the, the dot com bubble burst in, in early 2000. Um, and you, you had a lot of excitement about the Internet, mm-hmm. but still people weren't sure what were we what are we supposed to do with this thing? Like, we know it's going to change the world and it's the future and all this. But w- what are we actually going to use it for? Right. Mm-hmm. And so. The early 2000s, we spent a lot of time showing practical application of how this can make your business more efficient, whether that means, um, you know, working with a school district uh, to, you know, communicate more effectively with parents in their in their district about uh, a rain out for a sports game rather than having the parents call the, the home office or something like that and having a bunch of staff wasting time. Yep. How can we use the Internet to get that information out or working? We did a lot of work with uh, builders and developers here in Bloomington Normal, uh, property managers here at Illinois State University, teaching them how, you know, you could go as far as signing a a digital lease. And back then that was crazy. (laughs) Now that's all we do. I mean, most of the property managers here at ISU, uh, they're using our stuff to sign leases online and do showings online and and things like that. So um, it was a lot of fun kind of getting in at that point in time where we hadn't really fully realized the potential of the internet and most customers weren't sure what to do with it. And we were, it was like the wild west. We were creating this stuff back then. It was awesome. Um, and then it started to mature and you started seeing more businesses who had websites. These days, most of what we're doing is working for either a, a brand new business that has never had a website or we're redesigning existing websites. Mm-hmm. So taking, uh, we look a lot at data. You know, we're looking at the, the data that's been collected with an existing website to try to figure out you know, what is it that we can do to optimize this, to make this more efficient, whether that means bringing more leads to your business, whether it means automating processes, um, how do we better connect the people that are looking for that information uh, on the web? So um, we're using, we're getting a lot deeper into data and analytics and those types of things now. Uh, We're also working with much bigger customers today. I mean, we, our bread and butter, we we say this forever is we want to work for small business. I, I come from a family of small businesses. Uh, small business owners, and we love working for small businesses. So that's the bread and butter. But the side effect of doing a really great job for those small businesses is that the medium businesses want you. And when you do a good job for those guys, then you start stepping up into the big leagues. And, you know, I say big leagues. We've been around 25 years now, so I suppose we're supposed to be in the big leagues. But I still feel like uh, I still feel like a little kid, you know, <laughs> fresh out of BHS, you know, starting this crazy little startup kind of company. But we're working with some pretty huge companies on some pretty huge projects. They're doing hundreds of millions of dollars through their website annually. Um, and so we get to we get to jump in and do some really cool work with some really cool businesses, both small local and big international companies. So nice. that's been a lot of fun to see, to see that evolution take place. It's been a lot of fun also for me to see um, our staff grow. You know, most of them, we started out very young and um, these guys have really filled out their potential and and now we've got kind of a new generation of cybernauts coming through like younger kids that are taking it and owning it and you know growing and stuff like that and that there's something about developing people in the community and helping right people find the right fit job and and fully come alive in that that really gets me excited so yeah no, that's can, been a lot of fun you can tell and the passion always shows through in the work and it's all about the customer experience Oh, yeah. um, the, re- the return is important, like showing the return that, the, you know, these companies are getting their ROI. Absolutely. Yeah, you said analytics. I got real excited. Um, but, yeah, developing your workforce, too, and the Internet's evolved so much. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things I noticed on your website, and I, I, it probably help our listeners, because a lot of people that tune in, 
they want to know what's going on in the community. A lot of them are business owners, but maybe just talk a little bit about the importance of, they always hear SEO. Like, why oh, yeah. does that matter? So just search engine optimization. That's a big, <laughs> it's a whole other world of analytics, but yeah. if you could just touch on that, on why they need to pay attention okay, to that. Okay, here, here's, here's the best way to, for me to explain this. Um, most, I would say 99% of the people that call us to build a website, they want us to build a beautiful website. They want to redesign their website because the old one looks ugly or whatever. I cannot emphasize this enough. Look, we can build the best website in the world. We could build the most magnificently designed website in the world that automates all the processes in the world for you. But if we don't get the right people on that website to see your business and to see your story and to see the services and products that you offer, mm -hmm. it's never going to produce anything for you. Like, I would argue that... Um, you know, search engine optimization should actually be the first part of any website redesign. Like we need to be thinking not about the homepage as being the front door, but uh, the, the key phrases that people are searching for in Google as actually being the real front door, the, the homepage to your website or whatever the entry page is, is really the first room past that front door, right? Yep. And so it's it, it, it requires a little bit of a mental flip because most people don't think like that or they think they want the website and they do. But if you want the results that are going to come along with that, if you want the traffic, you want the leads, you want the growth, you want all of those things, you absolutely have to get found in the places that people are searching for you or your competitors. So for us to do competitive analysis and say, you know, if you're a plumber in Bloomington or a lawyer in Champaign or something like that, we can run out and run a quick search and be like, hey, are, are these guys your competitors? Yes. Do you want them to keep beating you? No, <laughs> nobody does, right? right? Well, right. Search engine optimization is how we solve that problem. So we solve that problem first. That is arguably the most important part of anything when it comes to the website. I would rather have a mediocre website but phenomenal search engine uh, ranking and search engine exposure because you're at least going to get the right people on that website. Uh, then it's a matter of you can get into things like conversion theory and mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. That's where, you know, for our design team, um, it, 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 it's a lot of fun. We're not just, you know, winging out pretty pictures on these websites. These guys are, they're, they're putting a lot of science and data into that kind of stuff. We're thinking like, how do we lead a user through a, uh, the, the sales funnel or through the, the buyer's journey mm -hmm. to lead them from whatever it is they search for in Google to whatever page they land on in your website to whatever conversion form or contact form or phone number or whatever it is on your website that we need to convert them through. We're thinking about that entire process front to back as part of the design of the website, right? Yep. So that that's the part that most people don't see under the hood, but that's really the secret sauce that is that has led to a lot of our success. And that's what that's what gets us called to the table with Kellogg's or you know, Viking Range or some of these other big companies, ABC Television and stuff like that. Well, that's that's why they're calling company like Cybernautic because we've got that recipe kind of figured out. Nice. So. Yeah, I'd almost equate it to like having a gorgeous restaurant out in the middle of in a cornfield with no roads or anything. <laughs> Dude, <And> so, that's good. <laughs> like that's you're, good. You're literally dropping, even if it's like you said, mediocre right at the Amtrak station yes. and like the bus, like everything's totally. there. So yes. you're right. And But then once you've got them in there, it's like actually be able to follow them, lead them, like you said, guide them yeah. um, through that sales funnel. And that that's the way that, you know, that you're trying to get that conversion. It's like, okay, what are next steps? What's the ultimate goal of this, which is where those analytics come in to show yeah. that ROI. Dude, do you want a job at Cybernautic? I like I told you, I was in this world. I, I did it for a while. <laughs> I still pay attention. Um, but no, I, I love it because I love the tech side. Still paid attention. That's awesome. You get um, it, man. That's exactly right. I get it. It's very important. And, and really, um, you know, to talk about why this is important to our community and so great that you guys are here is that, you know, our job at the EDC is to tell the story of Bloomington Normal. Yeah. And Bloomington Normal is made up of a lot of wonderful businesses, mm -hmm. a lot of wonderful people. 
Um, and we can't tell everybody's story. We're trying to, but your website is your front door. And so Definitely. like, if I could get you guys to mutify everybody online mm -hmm. digitally, our yes. job's so much easier. Yes. And so it's not just, you know, listen to our podcast and learn about what's going on, but then finding out what Bloomington Normal really is. If all the businesses were using that same technology, we're yeah. easier to find. Yeah, I love the analogy of the uh, the restaurant. What you're thinking about is real estate, and what we're building is virtual real estate. Yep. Um, that location, location, location mentality in the real estate world, it's the same on the internet. But that location, where you're going to get found, it's at the top of Google, man. Like when people are searching for things, you've got to get found there. If you're found, you're right. You would totally rather have a mediocre website or, or whatever. Uh, it's going to convert and produce substantially better results than the most beautifully designed website in the world that just cannot get found or doesn't rank at all. Yep. And like so, even huge. back in the day, it was what McDonald's say they weren't in the burger business. They were in a the real estate business. Yeah, right. That's <laughs> it right. It was all location. Yep. Um, same thing. Yeah. With real estate here. Like if you have no access or you don't have any visibility, what's the point of being open? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, so yeah, like I said, on the economy, you know, telling the story of a business, uh, talking about, you know, why it's important to get those conversions uh, and even, uh, the social media side, you know, this, whenever it comes to telling the hero's journey and getting mm -hmm. people through the sales process, yeah. uh, very important. Um, so thinking about, I guess, switching gears with us, um, in the community, if you're selling this place, like where are you taking someone that's in town? Where are you taking a new employee? to be like, you know, this is what makes Bloomington Normal so great. Like a new recruit? Yes. Right? Okay, so this is hard because I love a lot of places so you, in Yeah, you've got man. a lot of examples. <laughs> All right. Here, here's what I do. I, I, w okay, so at Cybernautic, the building out on Empire Street, we've built out a really cool cafe. Most people don't know this. We've, ah. we've got a phenomenal cafe up there. Um, fresh Yavatsa Italian beans, uh, you know, make any espresso drink you want. It's like a little Starbucks inside okay. the building, right? So for sure... I'd start out there. Uh, I, I love taking folks to lunch down at Biagi's. It's just down the road from us. Yeah. We're a regular there. I've got Giddy as our uh, waitress. She, she knows where I'm at all the time and always has a table for me. She's nice. phenomenal. Um, definitely for dinner, uh, I'd take somebody down to my buddy Chef Ken's place, Epiphany, downtown. Mm -hmm. um, we'd five course dinner tasting with the wine pairing for sure. There's nothing better than that. that those, those, guys are, those guys are killing it down there. Um, I'd probably put the person up at the Holiday Inn out by the airport only so that as we're driving back from Epiphany, we can drive by the Cybernautic building at night. And <laughs> oh, yeah, the lights. at some point I would have figured out what's your favorite color and I'd change <laughs> the color of the building lights so they'd yep. be able to see their favorite color, you know, the building all lit up as we're driving by. Um, but I mean, there's a ton of phenomenal places, I think in this town, a lot of, a lot of really great local restaurants and businesses Distills awesome. I'm an outdoor guy. I'd love to, I love to take from folks outside of town to, you know, places like Lake Bloomington or mm -hmm. things like that, just to show them like, Hey, there's more than just Bloomington normal here. Like there's a lot in McLean County that's really beautiful. So, yeah. So those examples are some of the prime ones that we've been using and we're developing this new brand for the community to attract workforce, but also retain a lot of the talent. And there's this ongoing theme through the studies that everyone's like, oh, there's a lot more than corn. There's more than <laughs> almost like transformers. There's more than meets the eye. But I think like totally. Epiphany Farms, perfect example, because yeah. from the outside, it looks one way. And you get inside and you're like, I had no idea this was here. They're that, killing it. That's a lot of their product, yeah. though, like the, the speakeasy, like yeah. even upstairs at Anju. You're yes. like, is this San Francisco? Right. Everything's it's it's more than what it seems yeah. and you're building the same way like on my way to the gym in the morning <laughs> definitely stands out you know for so, sure yeah That's those great. colors um yeah again i had no idea you guys had you know this espresso thing going on there so it's nice you get them wired for sound right off the bat yes. and then 
um, show them around. Um, that's right. That's, that's awesome. Right. So like, yeah. So when you're taking them there, is there like one favorite food item that you say you got to try this while you're in town? Oh my goodness, this is golly, this is hard too. So, you know, I bring up the the tasting and the pairing at Epiphany. It's every time I've had it, Chef Ken and Stu, they just blow your socks off with. I mean, it's like whatever you want to put on the plate will be phenomenal. So love that stuff. Um, I think some of the, for me, the local favorites, Chicken Pietro at Biagi's, the okay. roasted poblano at Distill, whatever the Sando of the week is over at Pop-Up Chicken Shop. I think <laughs> yeah. that's, a, that's a super cool local business that's yes. popped up recently, right? Um, you know, next spring, I can't wait to take people back out to Green Gables, man. Yeah. Like, I was there twice the week before it burnt down, and oh, my kids are so sad the place is gone. We used to love that joint, so can't wait for that to come back in the spring, and you know, little divey local favorite, you know, that's, yeah, no, it's, um, it's funny whenever you talk to different people, that's why we, we do this because every time we do it, more people are talking about hidden gems Yeah. because I think at one point we were named, we had the most chains per capita. Yeah, I, re- a, I remember that. Yeah. In America, yeah, yeah for sure. It's like, we've got a lot of hidden gems out there. So yeah, I'm glad you brought up green gables and that's cool. It's coming back and yeah, yeah pop up. I remember going out there and like, yeah, if you go in here, it's hard to find. There's not even a sign, yeah. you know, and you went inside and you're like, this chicken sandwich is phenomenal. Yes. So it's nice. They've got their own spot now. Um, yeah, no, those are all, all great locations. And then one of the things too, like we always ask is like, you know, why, why economic development matters for a community? Hmm. Uh, you know, for me, when it comes to economic development and building a strong economy, a stronger, stronger economy is going to lead to better jobs, better jobs are going to lead to better pay, better, you know, uh, uh, better quality of life. Um, and you're going to be able to then retain more high quality people in the community. And generally speaking, not always, but generally speaking, your higher quality people, they're going to be creating more jobs or building out more opportunity for the businesses they work for to create more jobs, which creates kind of a perpetual upward cycle, you know, that just keeps feeding itself. A better economy leads to better jobs, better people, more jobs, better economy, and it just kind of keeps going. Now, I think that the the same is true on the other end of the spectrum. Like, and, and one of the things that I'm always worried about a little bit is like, let's not take for granted the, the, the incredible businesses we have because some businesses, they're gonna live and die with an owner and they're just, they've got a timeline, they've got an expiration date mm-hmm. on them, right? So yep. there's nothing you can do that's gonna stop some of them from just not existing anymore. That means we need a culture of, uh, a culture that promotes uh, entrepreneurship, that promotes um, the recruiting of other businesses from the outside the community to come into the community to, to bring those jobs, bring those people. I mean, here at ISU, man, we've got 20, 20 21,000 kids or something like yeah, that that yeah. come here. If we don't have great jobs for those kids when they graduate, they're gone. They're gone. Right? You have yep. this incredible opportunity right here in our own backyard. And if we have more businesses, we do more economic development, we can retain more of that incredible talent. And over time, that will lead to more economic development, which creates more jobs and more opportunity for the next generation. I want to keep seeing that thing go up and spiral as far as it can because I'm one of those guys that I born in Bloomington Normal, I'm going to die in Bloomington Normal. So the entire time I hear, I'm here, I want this community to be the best it can possibly be. So how are we going to do that? We need people that are going to create jobs, that are going to create businesses, that are going to drive economy, that are going to bring economic development in from the outside. Um, I'm, I'm proud of Cybernautic, not just because we're able to help small, small businesses, but today what's cool is we're working for bigger businesses that are not based in Bloomington Normal, but we're able to create jobs in Bloomington Normal as a result of them seeking us out, right? right. To me, that's very cool because that's really driving a little more economy than, you know, 
all of us working for each other. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I think it's huge. I think it's one of the most important things this community could be focused on developing the economy, building a stronger economy, a stronger base and building that culture where uh, this is a place that supports and promotes small local businesses and big ones too. Yep. I mean, state farms and Rivians, let's never take that kind of stuff for granted. That is, that is huge for this community. Yep. You know, let's do more of that, you know? You're right. And yeah, the, so the flywheel, I was going to say too, like, do you want a job? Like it was one heck of a sales pitch. <laughs> like, <you> just <laughs> Summed it up great. Like, as you know, like the spinoffs that were in there, um, you're right. So yeah, the branding thing we're trying to launch to keep the students around, mm-hmm. um, probably even get into bringing some of the alumni home, yeah. letting them know like, hey, if you're tired of all that traffic, yep. you want some, you know, remember how great it was to raise a family here, yep. bringing people back. Um, but then, yeah, the entrepreneurship side. And that's something that we've got something great going at Westland with the SBDC. Yeah. But I think if there was incubator, accelerator, yes. like a, a more formalized system, and actually we're meeting tomorrow um, to talk about how we can get that um, system more established. But you're right. Like, what is the next cybernotic? Yeah. Um, but then also with the, the companies that you said, like, we're here for one generation or two generations and it could go. Like finding out who those companies are, then introducing the ESOP concept. So mm-hmm. sell that over to mm-hmm. your employees to keep that going. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a little bit of everything. Definitely focused on helping the businesses that are here grow. Yeah. Um, love the fact that you are a base employer, meaning that you are doing work for people outside of the area. So it's not just fully dependent on our economy. Yeah, yeah. You want more of those because yes. there's a bigger ripple effect. Yep. And then, yeah, like you said, the, the better that the businesses are, the better the employees are because the wages go up. And then we can open more alligator farms across the world. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. that ripple effect keeps going. Uh, but yeah, flywheel, best way to best way to talk about it. It can go both directions. I've seen it go both directions. Mm-hmm. Um, ours is heading in the right direction. So we're just trying to figure out yeah. how do we keep this thing going? Yes. How do we put our foot on the gas and keep it going? Yep. Absolutely. Totally agree. Awesome. Is there anything else you wanted to cover while I got you on? Oh, man. I don't know. <laughs> I could go on and on about all kinds of things. We talk about whatever you want. It's like there's no timeline on this thing. So it's all right. Uh, you know, some of the work that I've gotten involved in since 2006. So Cybernautic was still a little bit of a baby back then. But in 2006, I started an organization called Goya Ministries uh, working in the slums of Nairobi. And okay. since then, I've gone over uh, probably two dozen times. We've built out, uh, I think, eight schools and three churches. We just... Uh, our board of directors just approved uh, starting a new junior high, a new school in a community that has never had a school ever in wow. the history of humanity. Just crazy to me to think. Yeah. Um, and we're just now building a new a new 10,000 square foot dorm at our central campus, the central high school over there just outside of Nairobi. Uh, there are thousands of people in Bloomington Normal that have supported that work. And it's crazy because it's, so, it's on the other side of the world, so a lot of folks don't know about it. So. Right. Uh, but what I think is cool is I know the thousands of people that have supported that work. Hundreds of them have been over there on short-term trips to go help out with it. Um, you know, Bob Dean, the uh, former superintendent of the ISU lab schools, has gone over to help us kind of get the schools set up and everything. Uh, we've had doctors and nurses and dentists and things like that go over and do some of that kind of work. The Midwest Food Bank has been a phenomenal partner in in providing food for that for the for the ministry, as well as hundreds of other groups just like ours. But What's crazy is the people of Bloomington Normal have had an enormous impact on the lives of people living in the slums of Nairobi, Kenya, thousands of miles away. And a ton of folks around here don't even have a clue. They don't even know that any of this is going on. But 
I mean, the, the food bank factory over there is wild. Like, I, I'm excited about bringing more, uh, of, more of my, you know, business owner colleagues from Bloomington Normal over there just to go see it because I think it'll blow their socks off to sure. see what's happening over there. It's really crazy. So not necessarily economic development, but, it, you know, what's cool mm-hmm. is you're seeing the spirit of the community, mm-hmm. like the, the, uh, the, the people in this, in this town, they want to be, they're, they're generous and they want to be helpful. And when they see a need like that, they jump in and help out. But it's one of those hidden things that, like, it's hard to show because it's so far away. But it is wild. I mean, we've got 100,000 square foot of schools and churches and medical centers and orphanage. And I think it's up to 65, 68 acres worth of property and stuff like oh, that over yeah. there just through Goya. It's, it's unbelievable. It's yeah, really wild. It sounds like it could be almost a model for future economic development. Yeah. in other underserved areas absolutely and it's and in, it, it's still economic development so i mean yeah. what you're doing you're on the personal side we also talk about personal development sometimes but you're using your passion um to really maximize your purpose yes and so that that's huge whenever you can use your skills absolutely to have your purpose have that thing that you're fighting for and then to show other people that it's contagious yeah yeah, because yeah, it's a lot of people you know they might have their passion they know what they want to do but they don't really have what they're fighting for yet outside of their family um, but giving them an example like that, that they can duplicate, yeah, let me know how we can help. Because yeah. I'd love to see that over and over and over. Because everybody, another reason we're doing this is try to teach economic development. Because yeah. as an industry, we've always held it really close to the vest. It's kind of like, you know, things go in a black box. There's a backroom conversation. And all of a sudden, <laughs> golden shovels pop out. <laughs> so we're trying to use this platform to say, hey, there is a process. There's a method behind this madness. And the more people that we can teach, uh, more examples like that that we can use, um, the better off everyone's going to be. So the stronger your people are, the stronger your businesses are, the stronger yes. your communities are. Absolutely. And yeah, so you're, you're doing that um, twofold, one here and one on the other side of the world. That's right. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't wait to research that, put that in the show notes, and um, see what else can come of that. Yeah. Very cool. It's pretty crazy. So Awesome. Yeah, um, so yeah, you're, you might have the most unique personal facts we've had so far. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. um, awesome. Well, I, hey, thanks for coming on. I'm looking forward to catching up here in the future as well. Totally. And continue to watch what you guys are doing. All right. I appreciate it, Patrick. Yep. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Tune in next week as we continue to take an inside look at Bloomington Normal's economic development with industry pros, local businesses, and community partners, and learn more about our BN Advantage.